at the very heart of the gospel. We have God loving humans as his beloved children. With all of the beauty and grace with which we were made, with our remarkable capacity for love and empathy, with our creativity and our astonishing drive to invent, to imagine, to overcome obstacles, and with our courage to band together in the face of hardships, God loves us. And his love for us is at the very heart of the gospel. God loves us for who we are, and with the list of human attributes I just gave, we can see why. We are creative, loving, generous. We band together to support one another. We weep when others weep. We rejoice when others rejoice. And we're also terribly flawed. We can be mean-spirited and cruel. We commit horrible atrocities and acts of violence, hatred, and degradation. We fight, argue, see the worst in others, refuse to offer and receive forgiveness, and can be generally rather grumpy. We do all of these things and more, and still, God loves us. With the terrible things we do, those things break God's heart. And while there is judgment given by God for how we treat each other, God also understands that we only break each other out of our own brokenness. God sees us as lost when we harm each other. Believing Jesus' words on the cross, we know that God forgives us, for we do not know what we are doing. God loves us not in spite of the bad things we do, but rather completely irrespective of the bad things we do. And God is constantly teaching us and showing us how not to be so harmful to each other. Knowing that if we were going to truly be able to love each other as God loves us, we need to become God. And also knowing that that just isn't possible, God decided to flip that around and become human instead. God joined himself to us so that we might be joined to him. And in joining together of humanity with God, God has redeemed all of the harmful things we do. So that in the resurrection, the restoration of all creation, all of the harm that we do will be seen forever understood as the good we always intended. God looks at us and sees the beauty of what we are. He sees the bad too, but he has redeemed that. And so God sees the beauty in us. As holy and exalted as God is, God sees the beauty in us lowly humans. I think that's why Jesus instructed the Pharisee, his dinner host, to invite the poor, the lame, and the blind to his feasts, rather than his friends and those who were well off. Jesus said, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. There's something more than quid pro quo going on here. I don't believe Jesus is instructing people to invite poor and crippled people into their homes so that they will receive a nice, fat, celestial retirement fund in the sky after their life is over. While Jesus definitely taught about reward and punishment for our actions, I don't believe he was teaching those who are well off how to be even more well off in the next life. 
You that are ahead in this world, here's how to get even further ahead later on. I don't think that was Jesus' message. His message was to get us to view each other as God views us. Like the prosperity gospel of today, there were beliefs by some in Jesus' day that those who were not well off, those whom tragedy had struck, were afflicted because God was angry at them. God didn't like them. Or they just weren't good enough people to have earned God's favor. Jesus was never much a fan of the prosperity gospel or any such belief that we have to earn God's favor or that the lowly are only lowly because God is angry with them. Jesus hung out with everybody, the poor and the well-off. He said to his disciples, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, he said. He was speaking not about the poor, but to the poor. Jesus declared blessed those whom many in society assumed were accursed. Jesus declared as deeply flawed our systems of ascribing blessing and curses. Jesus declared as deeply flawed our systems of ascribing righteousness and sinfulness. Jesus sees our hearts and knows how much we want to be righteous. How much we want to be loved by others and loved by God. Jesus sees how much we struggle for that. Jesus even sees that we often end up putting others down to raise ourselves up. Such is our desire to be loved. Jesus' desire for us is to see ourselves and each other as he sees us. Jesus' instruction to the Pharisee to invite the poor, the lame, and the blind into his home is not an instruction to do more righteous, charitable deeds in order to earn a greater salvation. Jesus' instruction to invite the poor, the lame, and the blind into his home is to let the Pharisee know that he doesn't have to surround himself with supposedly righteous people in order to be righteous in hell himself or in order to be seen as righteous by others. Accept that your righteousness comes from God, Jesus was saying. Accept that it comes from God's love of you. And then invite those into your home whom you assume are unrighteous and learn to see them as God sees them, as his beloved children. Such an invitation is not an act of charity. Such an invitation is an act of accepting God's acceptance. Of seeing the beauty of people as God sees the beauty of people. Such an invitation is an acceptance of the lowliness, the poverty, the disability, and the blindness within each of us. And learning to accept God's love of us not only as we want to be, but also God's love of us just as we are. Jesus' instruction to the Pharisee was a teaching, was all of this teaching. And it was also an actual instruction, actually to invite the poor, the lame, the blind into his house. As James tells us, faith without works is dead. A great idea springs from a teaching of Jesus, but if there is no action to follow it up, that great idea, that teaching dies on the vine. Invite the poor, the lame, the blind into your home. That's a bit of a challenge. 
What do we do? Walk outside for a time and find someone who we assume is homeless or living in poverty and say, you look poor. I need you to come to my home for dinner because Jesus told me to have dinner with a poor person. I don't think that's really going to work. I think we would have the right to be tased at that point. The challenge is to look beyond poverty or disability, to look beyond social status, to see beautiful human beings and invite them to dinner. Inviting total strangers into our homes for dinner still might be a bridge too far and probably kind of weird. So invite folks here. Invite folks to share the meal that we share every Sunday. Invite folks who aren't total strangers as well. Folks that we know from church or work or other social circles, invite them to to dinner. Invite not only your good friends, but also invite those whom you don't know as well. Or if dinner is too far, invite them for coffee. Even that might seem a little scary. But what are we really committing to here? I remember from some advice that my dad gave me when I was just starting to date. And I was terrified of dating. I was a shy, scrawny, not very self-confident kid. And I was really afraid that if I asked someone out that she was going to say no. I was also kind of afraid she'd say yes. And wondering, what would I be getting into? What are we going to do? Whatever, you know, and Dad finally says, Brad, you're just asking her to go out with you for an evening. It's not a marriage proposal. Get to know her more. See if you like being around each other. If you do, ask her out again. Get to know other people, Jesus was teaching. Get to know different people. That's what we get to do at our Bible study in the parish hall on Friday mornings during breakfast. All kinds of folks come here for breakfast on Friday. Folks who are well off. Folks who aren't well off. Some who look to be homeless. Some who I know are homeless. And we're sharing breakfast together. And we get to see the beauty of each other as God sees the beauty of us. That's life in God's kingdom. That's life in the Jesus movement. It's not as though by inviting new and different people into our church or into our homes, those people would then become our projects. The purpose is not to help or fix people. It's not a marriage proposal. The purpose of the invitation is to learn to love people more fully. And in so doing, to be able to accept God's love of us and God's love of others more fully. Following Jesus' teaching, living out the Jesus movement, we find ourselves changed. We find less fear, more love, greater connection. Living out the Jesus movement, we find that humans are beautiful, flawed, as well as beautiful and beloved. Amen.